the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews, the eighth chapter. The historical sequence of the covenants that God has made with us is expressed in the eighth chapter, which is built around Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And it's also quoted in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, 16 through 17, again. If you look at the, the sixth verse of the eighth chapter, Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted through better promises. This covenant corrects the faults of the first covenant. If you look at uh, the seventh verse, for if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. He made the first obsolete, and uh, so that it is now passing away. Look at verse 13. After he quotes from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, which is also quoted in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, he says in that passage in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, in that he saith, a covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away, and in the original language, it is vanishing away. It is in the process of that as a result of the old covenant becoming obsolete. All its institutions likewise become obsolete. And the priesthood, the sacrifices, and the sanctuary. Look at Hebrews 10 and verse 10, uh, 1 through 10. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the worshipers or the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. They had to do it every year. But in those sacrifices, there are the remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices of sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me, and that's the Old Testament, to do thy will, O God. So it really, it's, an, it's, a, it's a fulfillment of that first covenant, Jesus coming. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither haddest pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. 
by the which will, this is the new covenant now, we are sanctified through the offering of the body, uh, body of Jesus Christ once uh, for all. And this specifies the imperfection of the old covenant and of the sacrificial system that it had. The law was only the shadow. It was the substance, as Hebrews 10 and 1 said. And uh, it was unable to make worshipers perfect, according to the second verse of that 10th chapter. Its sacrifices had to be repeated, according to the second and third verses, every year. And God just remembered it. We called it rolling forward their sin. And uh, it was inferior, bringing no final remission of sins, according to the fourth verse. He said, without uh, the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sins. So uh, Christ abolished the first in order to uh, establish the second, and uh, that's in the ninth verse. The replacement of the institutions of the old covenant, the uh, Israel, through Christ once for all action uh, did not however and this is what I want to talk with you tonight remove for the writer of Hebrews the authority of the message that's in the Old Testament there is a message there and the message was that Christ is coming and Christ is fulfilling it and so uh, I want to talk with you about the value of the Old Testament. A lot of times when we use these passages, these negative passages, which certainly shows that it's obsolete, uh, we begin to think, and, and we think, well, uh, you don't have to read the Old Testament. You don't have to. You can't get any good out of that. And so we just sort of lay it on the shelf, and we don't think there's any value. But I want to uh, just discuss about eight things of the why the value of the Old Testament so that we can cherish it, so that we can listen to it, and we can appreciate it more. Number one, the Old Testament law, I want you to turn to Romans, uh, the seventh chapter, because it's important that you get this in your mind and uh, uh, see that the, the purpose of the Old Covenant and see the value of it, the value of it, uh, because it is, it's wonderful that we can use it and that we can use it to, to bring to light the real uh, aliveness of the new covenant. So look at the seventh chapter of Romans and the seventh verse. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. So that means that we ought not take the idea that, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that. That's obsolete and I did not have any use for it. No, 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 he says. I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. It shows human nature and sets forth the will of God and his moral law. The hearers of the scriptures learn what sin is when, it come, when they come to realize what God has demanded of man and and it shows his weaknesses and his needs. So it's really important. We have it has a value. Number two, it points out sin. Number two, the Old Testament warns of disobedience, 
I want you to turn to Hebrews, if you will, the second chapter, uh, and and just let this let the scripture speak. Hebrews, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse through the fourth, it really uh, warns of disobedience, and it, it it's there now. It's there. We need to think about those. These things were written for our admonition and our learning. Paul said in 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 Romans the fourteenth chapter. And here it says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. So it does us good to read about how God has treated people in times past. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? How shall we escape in the new covenant? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So we have the new covenant, and he said, we ought to think about what God did to the people back there. So it's written for our admonition and our learning. It's written to teach us that disobedience will be punished. Look at the fourth verse. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and, and different miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. He has confirmed that. But that's not the only place we have. Just turn back to 1 Corinthians uh, the 10th chapter. And uh, we have another example uh, here, uh, 6 through 11 of 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Now these things were our examples. He's talking about things happening in the Old Testament. The value of the Old Testament. These things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and to rose up to play. We know God's expectations of man by reading the Old Testament. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. And how did they tempt Christ before Christ ever came to the earth. Well, Moses had said, seeing him who is invisible, that he just didn't give way uh, to the invitation of old Pharaoh. So it was the spirit of Christ that was in the prophets and in the speaking the way God spoke to them. So Christ is forever. Christ was in the beginning. Christ was the spirit that was speaking to them. And uh, look at number uh, 10. Neither murmured ye, as some of them murmured, also uh, murmured, and were destroyed of the uh, destroyer. Now all these things happened to them for examples, and they were written for admonition upon whom the ends of the ages are come. Sin carries consequences. It did in the Old Testament. It does in the New. Punishment follows sin. And that's the value of the Old Testament. Now, First cause, first point we mentioned, it reveals sin. The second, it warns of disobedience and sin in a person's life, when he makes it a part of his life. Third, the Old Testament points to Christ. I want you to, I want you to turn to the Gospel according to John, uh, and the fifth chapter and verse 39. Verse 39. And just look at that uh, 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 chapter here where he's talking about 
and just showing the value that the way that they use the Old Testament. John said, search the scriptures. Now what scriptures? Well, he's talking about the Old Testament. Because they weren't the New Testament wasn't written when John wrote. It hadn't been brought together. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of Christ. So if you're not a good student of God's word in the Old Testament, uh, you, you're, you, you, don't, you can't have a faith that you ought to have, and you just can't put it all together. But when you take the Old Testament, the function of uh, witness that it has in, uh, to Christ is both the Old Testament's usefulness and the reason why that it is, it is to be used today. And we, we ought to impress people. We, we're always looking for things to impress people and to help them and to draw closer to God. And so that's the reason being a good student of the Old Testament is important because it serves its purpose as a testimony that who Christ is how that he was the person was to come and everything, it can never be given up to Christians. You, you just lose a lot of things if you're not a good student of God's Word, the Old Testament. Your force and your, your, your ability to understand. Now that Christ has come, he is the, the norm for conduct and for interpreting the Scriptures. And we can take all the new and we can say, oh, well, here it is, the Old Testament... Uh, is, as someone has said, uh, is that which is concealed as Christ. But now the Old Testament, the New Testament, reveals that which was concealed. And, and that Mr. makes it clear. Number four, the Old Testament is valuable because it instructs in salvation. You say, well, now how does that happen? Well, just turn to, to 2 Timothy. Turn to 2 Timothy. And, and just let the scriptures answer. And, and, and here's what he's telling uh, Timothy in the second chapter, uh, uh, in the third chapter, dear, of Second Timothy. He, he puts this out so beautifully, uh, what, what uh, the scriptures do. Beginning with the 15th verse. And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Well, how does that happen? Uh, uh, you study the Old Testament so you can be wise in the salvation. That's what he said. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So all those things that teach us about Christ coming, he's the coming one, he's the coming one, and he's the one, and he's the lamb, and, he's, and there's a lot of things that we know over there. He just convinces us. And it's easy to convince others about that. Now look at number 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So that's, that's what that Old Testament, and that's what he's talking about, the Scripture. This Scripture that he's talking about here is the Old Testament. And he says it's, it's, the, it's helping us that the man of God, look at that 17th verse, may be mature. That word perfect means mature, that he may make good decisions that he may have wisdom, and that he may be thoroughly furnished unto every uh, good work. Number five, the Old Testament is valuable because it provides examples, examples of great faith. Turn to Hebrews 
uh, the 11th chapter. Uh, you know these all these examples that are in here, and uh, uh, you can probably just recall some of them. But just think about uh, the, these. This is just a brief treatment. The 11th chapter is a brief treatment of what we have of whole, the the Old Testament covers their whole life. See, and the Old Testament is about primarily about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, and Joseph. And Genesis just covers those, those four. Will uh, detail. And, and then the people who come from them. And so when you think about that, you're thinking about the faith. Not only does it reveal sin and show the consequences of disobedience, but it gives positive encouragement uh, by showing the lives of people who lived close to God and sacrificed and dedicated themselves on the battlefield. Even the greatest heroes of the Old Testament are shown in their weaknesses and in their sin. See, shows old, old David in his strength, but it also shows him in his weakness. Shows Noah in his strength, but it shows him in his weakness. Shows that God is no respecter person, but he saves man from his saints. And we need to get a good look at that. Uh, number six, the Old Testament uh, gives hope. Look at the, the Romans, the 15th chapter. If, if any of us, uh, uh, you know, when we get weak and we get sort of uh, indifferent, uh, it's because that we have uh, sort of grown uh, out of touch with the, with, with the beauty of heaven and with the things that we have already prepared for us. You know, we talked about last Sunday about uh, the, the three presents that save from the past sins, save from the present sins, save from your future sins, eternal life. That we have it all. He's promised us in those three categories. And we have it paid, not what we do, but because he's provided it, that we have it. And we just lose touch with how beautiful heaven is and how much we have to lose if we don't stay prepared for him. There's not anything here that this whole world has to offer that's equal to what we hope for. Look at the 15th chapter and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And you say, well, well how do I build that hope? How do, how do I build it? You just get acquainted with that word, that word of God. That's what he said. And it is build your hope. You know the reason why a lot of people are indifferent? They don't care? And, and they're not very interested in what uh, uh, is happening to the church of our Lord? It's because they're 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 really short on on the hope and in touch with the with the beauties of heaven and what we have. We already have it. We already have our name written there. It can be removed. We can lose it. We can lose everything. But how are you going to keep it alive? Just keep in touch with the Old Testament scriptures as well as the new. But the Old Testament scriptures, the New Testament says the Old Testament scriptures is what'll help you to keep your hope. Because just look what they did. 
and they didn't even see what we see. And they'd say, oh, it'll be a shame to myself. Here, they didn't have what we have, and now we've seen Christ come, we've seen him crucified, we've seen him uh, at the stake, at the cross, and what he did for us. And we've seen it all, and we've seen him operate in the hearts and lives of people, and we of all people ought to be thankful. Number seven, the Old Testament is valuable because it reveals the nature of God. It reveals the nature. I think one of the things that, that we need to do, I want you to turn over to Exodus. Exodus, the 34th chapter. And uh, uh, 6 and, and 7. And, and there are seven other places. There are seven other, uh, seven other times that I can give you scripture. We're not going to take time to turn to those. But they reveal the same thing that this passage does. And we're just going to take this one. It's 34, uh, 6, and, uh, and 7. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions, and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. But the Old Testament scriptures reveals the mercy and the greatness of our God. And until we are acquainted with the Old Testament, until we read it and, and we absorb it and we understand and try to get acquainted with our God, we will have a deficit in our, in our lives. He didn't take 40 writers and put them 40 different places and 40 different people uh, or maybe not that many, 32 people, and let them write about this that we're talking about for nothing and, and, and bring it and put it in a book. He did it. It's a miracle of the age. And it's there for us to be efficient and adequate when we meet the challenges of the day. The eighth and the final point why the Old Testament is valuable is, is it shows the unfolding purpose of God. I want you to go to the, we could turn to many passages on that, but I want you to go to 1 Peter, if you will. Uh, and uh, let's go to the first chapter. And the, the tenth verse and the through the twelfth verse. We'll read the ninth verse. So receiving the end it means the purpose of your faith. The salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently 
who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. That wonderful that all these things happen in the Old Testament and, and it's for, for us and we're enjoying it today. Look at number 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them. The Spirit of Christ was in them. Did signify. When he it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister these things. Now that's an insight in that if they said you're writing this thing but it's, it, it's really not for the people in this day it's, it's going to come past later. When the Lamb is slain, when God's Son is slain, and then, and then people begin to procreate. Now, we have access to all that, and it convinces us it's real when we see God took so much time to prepare this. Which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, but it wasn't of their own saying. It was by the Holy Spirit set down from heaven which things the angels were just desiring to look into. Desiring to look into. Now, the New Testament writers may appeal under the authority as authority under Christians to accept it and to accept Christ. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter and verse 8, Do I say this on human authority, or does not the law also say this? So it's been there. Now I want to leave with you this thought as we close. You know, God, he worked this first covenant out uh, with a miraculous uh, working. He... Uh, <clears throat> He, he picked this little tongue-tied boy up and he saved his life. He would have been killed if he had not saved his life. Saved him. And he made a typical prophet out of him uh, like Christ. And he sent him off into the, for 40 years into the wilderness and to sort of get ready for the time that he would give this and he let him get acquainted with that out there herding sheep to where that he could get him acquainted a little bit with the place where he had sinned the law, this covenant. And then he called him back to deliver his people. And when he did, he, he brought him back, and it wasn't his own power, it was the power of God. And he led these people that were in bondage and slaves, he led them out of captivity. And he led them through a miraculous deliverance. It wasn't through the power of, of Moses. In fact, he said, Lord, I, I don't even know how to talk. And he said, I'll give you Aaron, he'll help you. He said, who will I say that sent them, uh, sent me? He said, just tell them I sent you. With all his excuses and things, he, he delivered him and he guided him through that. And he sent the plagues of all of God's 
the ten plagues were an attack on all the, the gods of Egypt. And he overcame them and he let them out. And then he took them across the Red Sea and he held them out there for 40 days and 40 nights while he was up getting the law. Remember that? And he gave it to them miraculously. And, and of all the sounding things of when he gave this, the Hebrews has it when, when the law was given. It was from God. Now in the New Testament, when this was given, his own son came down. His own son. And he delivered him from the enemies. His enemies were Satan indwelled human beings that he created. But they got him. They killed him. But they had to kill him in order to let him make another covenant with his people. And and he, he the cross was the the cross was a thing that God worked out. Back over here, it was the crossing of the Red Sea. It was the handling of of Moses in the giving of the law, giving this. But the law was nothing but to say, this is, I'm sending my son. And I'll show you about my people, how negligent and disobedient they are. And now he's saying, you need to see it all. You need to put it together. We have a new covenant today, and we're brought near to God by this new covenant. The old one is obsolete, but it has a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons that God is with us. That he has a people, just like he had a people back here. And these sacrifices and, and the services were nothing but a, but a foreshadowing of what we have here in Christ. And we can just get close to the thing. We just think this way, but just, just going back and look at our history. And look at how God dealt with man. And how appreciative we ought to be that we have such a great God that loves us and he, he, he takes us by the hand and he helps us and he knows our weaknesses he knows our, our insecurities and our inadequacies but he forgives us and at the cross he's made it possible for us to have a covenant the new covenant that we're made one with him <clears throat> By believing in him, believing in Jesus Christ, that he was his son, that he gave his life for us, that his blood paid the price, and that he's now at the right hand of God, and then he calls out to us, he wants us to get closer, but it just means that we're human beings, and we need to thank God for the history he's left us, and the way he's dealt with humanity, and just to get a good look at ourselves. And that God is the one that will deliver us and help us. Don't ever underestimate the value of the Old Testament. It's there for our learning. And it's there for us. But where it's illuminated is that it speaks of Christ. Christ, in his teaching after he was raised from the dead, he used the law and the Psalms and the prophets to help the people he trained for three and a half years. He said, don't you remember what I did? And their hearts burned within them. When he opened up their scriptures, their hearts burned within them. 
and they remembered what he had taught them while he was here. Now Jesus, the great example, was the one. When he was teaching them, he was taking the law and the Psalms and the prophets, the 39 books of the Old Testament, he said, this is what it says about me. And I'm to die and to be raised. I'm the lamb that's slain. We just need to believe it. We need to share it to, with others. If you're here this evening and you need Christ to come believing, repenting, and being baptized in him, or turn yourself to him for help and strength if you faltered along the way as we stand together and sing.